We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am very excited to have Dr. Marcus Bielan on the program today. He serves as the principal of Huntley High School and president of the Illinois Principals Association. Dr. Bielan is a native of Chicago, Illinois, and attended Bradley University, where he received his bachelor's in elementary education, followed by a master's in education administration. He completed his doctorate at National Lewis University in July of 2020. Dr. Bielan, Marcus, welcome to Transformative Principles. So excited to have you here. Hey, thanks, Jethro, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm honored to have you. Uh, Got to give a shout out to our mutual friend who connected us originally, Bridget Belcastro, who is a principal there in the Chicago area. And, um, and there are quite a few people in the Chicago area who listen to my podcast and several that I've interviewed. Um, including uh, Michael Lubelfeld, Nikki Bellini, um, and then Tom Mahoney, and a few others that uh, that you probably know and love, and Angela Mahoney also, and probably other people that I forgot, which is awkward, but, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> that's awesome. I do, yeah. know, I do know some of the greats there. That's, uh, yeah. that's a great list. The people that I have interviewed, I'm just humbled and amazed that uh, – that I've even had the chance to talk to so many people and you are one of those people and have come highly recommended from multiple people, I would add. And so I'm excited for what we're going to talk about today, which we, we did not say this is exactly what we're talking about. So that's kind of the fun is we're just going to let this conversation go where it may. So one of the things that we talked about is the need for kids to feel like they belong and that extends to teachers and principals as well. And especially now, it seems like that is really needed. So tell us about why that's so important and what you do to help people feel like they belong. Yeah, uh, that's a, 
a great um, topic to speak about one uh, because it's when kids spend more of their time in a school building, you know, engaged in in life, right? Growing, not just learning, but interacting with people, interacting with friends. They spend most of their time doing that in a school building as opposed to outside uh, in, in other places. Um, and that's important to note, right? Because schools are, are the, the, the primary piece of our community. They make up, when you think of a community, you think of a church, a school, houses, a post office, police station, you know what I mean? Like just the basic necessities of a community. Uh, but school is always the, the primary focus. And when kids feel as though they belong to something, um, they create this community with inside of that building um, that allows them to grow and mature and learn about themselves and others. I, being a high school principal, um, find that to be fascinating, to be honest. Um, I, I, I love working with young people. And I think being at the high school level, I'm able to see a little bit of the of the growth from freshman to senior year in a very quick transition as opposed to kindergarten through eighth grade where you see those monumental marks, but high school is kind of that point of you found yourself. We either need to help you realize even more about yourself before you graduate, <laughs> or we need to make sure we pare down and get you on a narrow focus. Um, so you're not all over the place uh, when you graduate. And I think a lot of our kids uh, and the stories that they have and that they come with, I want to make sure that the, the four years that they have it in, in school is uh, is a great four years and a, a great four year experience that they can look back and remember. Um, and when they walk across the stage, I want them to know more about themselves. And the only way to do that is making sure that everyone who intercepts them at some point, a teacher, a custodian, a secretary, a, a campus security guard, what have you, that they um, are able to pour into them uh, and kind of give them that sense that I belong here, my story is heard. I'm viewed and I'm seen in the halls of whatever building you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that idea that everybody in the school has a role to play in helping that child develop. How do yeah. you help people see who may not think that that's their role to see that it really is their role? Yeah, if you if you selected the job to work with in a school next to young people and you think that your title means something to them, you're <laughs> dead wrong. Um, because I've seen some of the greatest relationships formed with uh, in some of the oddest ways, but most some of the most organic ways uh, where a custodian can see a kid that every after, every evening they're waiting on the activity bus and can walk by and see something that's triggering to them or something that they can connect with. And now they created a, a bond. And so now that custodian makes sure that they go out of the way to talk with that student or a secretary who sees a student that is constantly coming in on a regular basis or in a rhythmic pattern into the office and I'm like why are you always coming in during this time and you start to learn more and and so forth that has nothing to do with a title anybody can do that it's just a matter of, of how do you foster that connection that organically happened to be something that becomes meaningful for the student and something that becomes meaningful for the adult that has engaged um, it's almost like watering uh watering plants right if you don't water them they don't grow if you don't uh, give them some attention, they don't grow. If you uh, neglect them, they die, right? And you don't want the spirit of a, of a child that comes across your path to die because you neglect it to just give it just a little bit of attention each day. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think the other piece about that is that, that um, those are strong words that you don't want that child 
who's a plant to die because you didn't pour into them. But at the same time, those are necessary because Mm -hmm. we do leave an impact. And especially when, for example, I had a 10th grade English teacher that I know did not like me. And she, she treated me really poorly in my mind. And because of that, I showed up ready to fight with her every single day. And she could have, she could have neutralized that feeling and taken control if she would have let her ego get out of the way and would have been kind and compassionate towards me and would have taken an interest like you're talking about. And I will never forget her until the day I die <laughs> because it was such a negative experience. And, and we really have that power over kids. Can you share an example of, of one of those people um, that has really taken an interest and supported someone and, and tell us a little bit more about that story. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a, uh, I have a teacher, um, in my building that literally has saved kids lives, right. Mm-hmm. They, um, have made some connection with them. And I just, it's, it's so interesting to watch, right. Because when you have kids, like I have kids do shout outs, uh, to staff members. Um, every once in a while, we'll do like a flip grid um, where they'll submit a video and I'll make a compilation of videos. And they always name this one teacher. It's always like the anomaly of like, if I had to make a bet and put some money on who they were going to name, they name this teacher. And um, it's a genuine care that is is just in his bubble of of where he walks. It's like, you genuinely can tell that this person cares about kids. And um, we have some students who are kind of in their, in their lowest of the low of life, right? Kids go through mm-hmm. peaks and valleys. Um, and this kid was really in the valley um, and was able to reach out to this teacher, um, have a conversation because he trusted the teacher, trusted the, the, the understanding of what he was saying to him to help him kind of navigate some of the challenges he were facing and, you know, save this, this, this kid from doing something that he, wasn't going to come back from. Um, and that to me uh, just shows the impact of what a single relationship could be um, if trust is the foundation of that relationship. And that just takes time. Uh, and for kids, while it may take time, depending on their story and kind of where they come from, if trust has always been an issue with them and adults and who they see, it's going to take a little bit longer for others. But uh, there are some kids who will dive right in head first because kids love hard. Um, and once they see that you actually care about them, they'll, they'll, they'll dive in and they don't want to be separated from you. So um, they'll give you a lot more and you'll be able to quickly uh, get them there. But that's, that's the importance of, of that foundation. Yeah. And I love that idea of the foundation being trust, because when it is, then trust doesn't mean that you give everything over to them. Trust means that, you know, they've got your best interest at heart and mm-hmm. they're going to do whatever they can within their power to help you out and help you be successful. Um, and, and that's what it means is that you can go to them with the things you're struggling with and the things that you're doing great with, you can share your successes and your failures. And, and there's just, there's still love and support there, even when you make a mistake or even when you do something wrong. And I think if you, I think yeah. if you know, like that somebody that you're, you have this relationship with is going to tell you in those moments, the things that you, they'll tell you some of the things you want to hear, but they'll more importantly tell you things that you don't want to hear to help you grow. 
And when you can trust that and be able to accept that constructive feedback from them and actually act on it, not just hear it, but actually act on it and grow as a person, that develops that level of trust a little bit um, uh, quicker and, and makes it even stronger. Um, but it all comes at a cost as well, because just as much as you build up, as quickly as you build it, as strong as you build it, it can quickly be torn down like a house of cards if you neglect it for just that one moment or if you fail to not give it the attention or you mislead them in a direction where they're like, but you told me to do this. I did it and look at where I am now, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a calculated it's a calculated calculated steps that you take in a relationship to make sure that you can sustain it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and if you really are based on trust, you also are going to uh, know how far you can push, right? Mm -hmm. And not push so far that they then say, wait, you're just trying to get me to do something else and, and you know, leaving the choice up to them. And Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors. I want to talk a little bit about that because that's something that, especially in high schools, they're, I think we focus too much on kids doing what we want them to do without recognizing that they are their own person and trying to figure out who they really are. And so how do you balance that with disciplinary situations? You know, even with things serious like weapons or drugs in school uh, or things that aren't that serious, like talking back to a, a teacher. I don't mean to say that's not serious, but compared to the others, it's not. So what, how do you, how do you manage that with discipline? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we've used this, people have used this term and I've heard it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I necessarily like that term in a sense, but it's the pound of flesh. Like you right. want to pound, like you just want to make sure that this kid knows. So we're going to throw this discipline at it, expecting that it's going to change the behavior. And it really doesn't change anything about the behavior. It just exacerbates it because this kid is like, all right, cool. I know what's going to happen. And then that kid constantly does the same thing, expecting nothing different, right? They're not expecting, they just know that you can't stand this kid and that you're going to come. So sometimes they do what they do as kids. They push those buttons. They are going to try you. Um, and also, and I think that's why a lot of uh, educators and even schools have shifted to some of the more restorative practices mm -hmm. uh, within discipline because realizing that, okay, you were, you didn't show up to class. I'm gonna give you a detention. Okay. You didn't show up a second time. I'm gonna give you another detention. And you constantly are getting these punitive, punitive um, uh, uh, reactions to a, a situation when the reason that they didn't show up to class is because they were having some social or anxiety or a mental breakdown or they were stressed or they had some stuff going on at home or they've been sick or they, the list goes on or they were just neglecting your class because you said something to them the other day that they were upset about, you know, or yeah. They're afraid to show up because they're going to disappoint you like the, it could go in a myriad of different ways. And so why not have some of these conversations as to why you why you feel the way that you feel? And um, the problem with that is, I think. Uh, kind of going back to your original question of, um, of, of of it being so challenging and, and when it comes to discipline, how do you navigate that? People need to understand that it's not being soft when it comes to discipline. Right. People look back at traditional education as like when I was in school and I went to the principal's office. Oh, I got in trouble and then I got in trouble at home again. And it's, it's but it's not about that. Right. Like kids really need we need to be able to hear them. We need to be able to hear their voice to figure out what they need. And in order to do that, you got to have a conversation that's mm -hmm. going to change 
uh, potentially change the behavior as opposed to a detention where you have no contact with the kid. They sit in a room with a person that you paid for that hour to just sit there with that kid with no interaction, no explanation as to why they're there. They're like, hey, I'm here. When I leave, time served and I'm on to doing the next thing. Yeah. So. And I feel like it's it's gone from this when we were kids, it was about punishment and then it's gone to discipline about having discipline and now it's about learning. And I think that's the right approach to take, that it's taken us some time to get there. But when we recognize that our job in a school is to help kids learn, then sometimes a punishment can do that. But it is often the most inefficient tool to teach them something a punishment is. And so we want to help kids learn. So that's how I frame this as when we were kids, it was about punishment. As we got older, then it, it became more about discipline. And now it's really about helping the kids learn who they want to be and how they want to present themselves to the world. And I found every time I approach it that way with a kid, then they have morals, they have values, and they have codes of conduct within themselves that I don't even have to say anything. You know, is this who you want to be, the kid who beats up somebody else? No, that's not who I want to be. Well, that's who you're defining yourself as. What are you going to do to fix that? And it's like, well, I don't want to hurt anybody anymore, but sometimes I don't know what to do. And I had the situation with this kid at my school who was a big, loud african-american kid and he got blamed for everything marcus everything because he was always in the middle of it mm -hmm. and so he had i followed the policies he would have been suspended multiple times and then expelled uh not for anything he did wrong but just because he was always in the middle and he was always egging people on and one day like two days before the end of the school year he got in a fight with someone and we had it on video and we knew that he was involved and I will never forget what he said, and this was so powerful. He said, Mr. Jones, I didn't know what to do. I was scared. I didn't want to fight him because I knew you and I have talked about that, and I shouldn't fight, and I didn't want to fight him. But at the same time, he stepped to my friend, and I didn't know how to respond except to push him back. And and I, I just didn't know what to do, so I panicked and pushed him. And it was the most vulnerable thing that kid had ever said to me. Every other time he came in and was like, man, F you, I don't care what you think, I'll do what I want. And this time he was like finally admitting that he was scared. It took all year to get to this point and him finally recognizing that he was scared and didn't know what to do was the biggest celebration I had the whole entire year because this kid to finally let his guard down and say, I didn't want to do that, but I didn't know what else to do was, was a miracle in my eyes. And you said five words, remember what you told me that doesn't happen when you send a kid to detention send a kid to uh, in school uh, intervention or you send a kid uh, to out of school if you don't have that restorative conversation to and it wasn't necessarily a restoration between you it was just setting him up to help him understand about some of his challenges that he had and how to navigate those so when found in that situation again I want you to try it and do it this way Right. Imagine if that could happen in a classroom. It's not all about, you know, getting a pound of flesh. There are some things that just deserve to kind of like that's the consequence. Yeah. Like, you know, better. And this is the consequence. You do it and you keep it moving. But um, many of those things now deserve just some some serious conversation. So you can lay the groundwork for kids to be able to process and understand. They're going to recall that message that you told them. And like, ah, Mr. Jones told me this or Dr. Bean, he told me this. Right. Um, 
And that way, when you get down the road, you don't have to look at them and be like, I told you so. But you kind yeah. of <laughs> Exactly. It's much better when they say you told me so than when you say I told you so. Correct. So, Correct. Uh, and what I like about what you said that you hinted at that I want to just underline for a second is that restorative practices are not just about restoring a relationship between two people who had a disagreement, but it's also about restoring that child to a place where they can learn. And I think that's a really insightful piece about restorative practices that we don't talk about a lot, but is definitely something that, that matters, that that kid needs to be in a place where they can go forward and be successful. So I really appreciate you pointing that out. Absolutely. So I want to change topics a little bit, and you had mentioned uh, your classroom is a Netflix genre. Tell me about that. What does that mean? So... <laughs> I love Netflix. I love streaming at this point. Um, it just is the, I don't watch live TV. I don't have time to watch live stuff. So, right. Right. Watch, watch uh, series and things of that nature. Um, so I, I've always gone off the premise that, you know, if kids are going to be in school 180 days a school year, right. For a high school, 180 times four, 720. I have 720 episodes in my Netflix series that I want to make sure that if they're watching episode one, they're gonna get to episode 720, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because every single episode is engaging, it's it's capturing, it leaves them wanting more every single day. People talk about Netflix series that only make it one or two seasons. They were like, oh yeah, I started this series and so I couldn't get through the first three episodes, man. It was just, it was long, it was slow, it was this. You don't want kids to say that about a classroom. You don't want kids to say that about the school and the culture, right? You want to figure out like what is going to keep them coming back every single day. Um, and so I use that that uh, that metaphor of a of a Netflix series because I want uh, people to rem- to know what it takes to get them hooked into a Netflix series and equate that to what it should be for kids and education every single day. I want them to binge watch what's going on in their class every single day, wanting more and more. Yeah. So the the challenge with that is that um, is that sometimes teachers think we we are saying that they are entertainers and that they're just there to, you know, be a Netflix show for kids. What's your response to that argument? Um, there are some days where you just you got to be on and you you have to 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 give them that that hook and that engagement. You have to model for them. You have to show them what the expectations are. You have to show them what it, what ever you're doing in your classroom, the importance of it, right? Sometimes it is showing and modeling for them, but I think the, um, um, the importance of not feeling like my classroom is a stage and a platform and I'm, I am the star of this show. Um, you have, you have your cast, your cast is your entire classroom. They make the magic happen. I want teachers to be directors and to be able to sit back and like let kids be, let them be in a space where they can be creative, let them be in a space where they can be engaged with one another, where they can collaborate with each other and where they can coexist. Um, All of their stories are different, but they all come together for a period of time, whether that's a 45 minute class period or for the elementary kids, you got them all day, right? Um, You you want them to be in a space where uh, where they they become part of this, um, they become part of this environment. They become part of, uh, of the stage in which you, you have given them to, to just be right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
So uh, the last question I ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Hmm. So many things come to mind. I think right now, I, the, the space in which I'm stuck, and this is just all based off of time as well in the recording of this podcast, to be a transformative principal is to actively listen and hear the stories and the voices that exist within your building. We started this podcast talking about uh, being connected. It's not just about the kids. Our staff, this is their job. This is their full time for many of them, including the hourly employee. Like this is their job. And even when you're out and about in the community or kids see you elsewhere, like you're always on for them, right? The kids don't think that we have lives. They're like, yeah. oh my goodness, that's, that's Mr. Such and Such or Dr. Such and Such over there. You know, like they, we are human beings, but when kids see us, like it's always um, letting them know that we are human. Uh, but we spend our time pouring into the lives of young people. And sometimes kids cry out in so many different ways for help, but they also are ready to be there when we need to boost them up when they've hit their peak. We need, they want to look off their peak and see all of these people who have cheered them on to get to that high place. You know whose journey you're watching. You don't know what student is watching your journey, um, yeah. even as a teacher. As educators, we kind of got into the profession with the cliche story of like, oh, I remember Mr. Such and Such or Miss Such and Such from my first grade teacher or my high school history teacher or my this or my that. It was an educator that kind of got your eyes twinkling of like, oh, I want to be an educator because I want to be like fill in the blank. And again, just like I said, be, you're watching kids grow and you're watching their journey as they uh, learn more about themselves and uh, look back and they remember you as, as, as somebody great to them, they're watching your journey. They are watching mm -hmm. you. They're watching what you do. And you have the ability to um, be an asset to this profession, not just in your classroom, but as a greater whole and having that pipeline of teachers who are wanting to come into the profession. Everybody who's in education has the ability to make or break that pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Uh, if you want to learn more from Marcus, you can follow him on Twitter at, uh, at Marcus J. Belin, B-E-L-I-N. And, uh, of course, check him out there, and he's got links to his website and information about his podcast, Unapologetic Leader. And, Marcus, thanks so much for being on Transformative Principle today. Thanks, Jethro. I appreciate you having me. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. 
That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.